Okay, take your Bibles and turn to Romans 16. Romans chapter 16. Have you ever been in a church that within a few minutes of visiting, you didn't want to be there anymore? Hopefully not this one. Either the people weren't friendly or they did things that made you very uncomfortable. As we consider uh, Cambria, we want to constantly evaluate ourselves, uh, look in the mirror to be sure that we're a gospel church, uh, that we're a church that rightly reflects Christ and that draws others closer to him. I bring this to mind because as we finish the epistle to the Romans here by Paul, we enter the final chapter and as we close out Paul's epistle, uh, the first 16 verses of this 16th chapter seem simply to be like a list of names. It's something that as you read, perhaps in your own time, you would come to and probably skim through pretty quickly because it just kind of seems like he's closing things out. Yet, even in this list of names, some people that we've heard of, some that we probably haven't heard of ever, we capture a glimpse of what a gospel church should look like. We capture a picture of, of really the outworking of everything Paul's talked about in the book of Romans. And, and through this glimpse, what we want to do today is really use this to serve like a mirror to evaluate ourselves in our own ministry. And so hopefully as we work through this text, it'll be a good balance of, of encouragement where we're doing well and praise for that, but also of challenge and things that perhaps we could do a little bit better. And so as we look at this text today, um, I want us to do that, but I also want us to help us understand as well how to handle texts like this. Not just to skip over them or skim through them, but to recognize that even texts like this have great value in your personal study. So as we read the text uh, at the beginning of the service here, if you would do a few things for me. One is as we read it, if you would take particular note of repeated words and phrases. That gives us a glimpse into why Paul included this in his letter. I also want you to note why Paul mentions the people that he mentions. Why does he mention each person? And then we're going to ask some questions about these things to help us understand what a gospel church looks like and use this as a mirror for our own lives. So let's go ahead and read the first 16 verses of this final chapter. And again, note the repeated words and phrases. Note why Paul mentions the people that he mentions. Verse 1, Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who is the first convert to Christ in Asia, 
Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphenea and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. All right, so as we work through this text, I hope that you did more than figure out some great names for your kids and grandkids. I hope that you took some notes of some repeated phrases and why Paul mentioned the people that he mentioned. When you do this, when you're done with that, you can then synthesize all those things together into some similarities. And they, and they help us learn about that early gospel church and what it looked like and what we should look like. And capture a picture of how we can emulate a gospel church. This week as I did this, as I worked through this text and took note of those things and then synthesized them together... I noted four important characteristics of a gospel church that I want us to consider today. The first characteristic I noted of these people is that the gospel church exhibits a heart of hospitality. A gospel church exhibits a heart of hospitality. Here's where we see this. We see this in one word that is repeated a lot. It is that word, greet. He continually says, greet this person and greet that person and greet this person. And the idea is more than simply say hi to them. It is to welcome and embrace those people. Gather them in together. You see, gospel churches do not ignore one another. Gospel churches welcome one another. Gospel churches are not marked by, by cliques but by hospitality. Now, we do okay at this, greeting one another, but let me encourage you with something, a way that perhaps we could do even better in this. Rather than speaking to the same people every Sunday, perhaps we would do well to move around. Often I talk to people and I say, hey, have you gotten to know this person or that person, they say, I don't even know who you're talking about. And I know that they don't know who I'm talking about. You know how I know? Because they sit on the other side of the auditorium. And we tend to stay in our group. Now, we do well at welcoming the people in our group. But a way we can do better is to move around. I would be encouraged if on Sunday... As our worship team begins the service, 
They have to pause a little bit because people are milling around and talking to each other. And it takes them a little bit to get from one side to the other, back to their seat. See, we would do well to move around and speak to different people on Sunday. I understand that in our church, we have families, groups of families. And that is a wonderful and joyous thing. I am so thankful for the legacies that many of you have of godly families. And that is, that is fantastic. It is a picture of, of faithfulness to this ministry. But let me encourage you with something. Perhaps Sunday morning in the service is not the time to catch up with your family. Maybe that should be Monday through Saturday. Perhaps Sunday should be the time you catch up with everyone else. I understand the business of life. I, I went to church with my parents. I was their pastor for 10 years. So I understand the busyness of life that sometimes the first time you see them during the week is on Sunday morning. One thing I made a practice with my own parents was I, I told them, you need to understand Sunday morning at church, I'm not ignoring you, but I'm ignoring you. I'm going to go talk to other people. I'll catch up with you this afternoon. You see, we ought to be a church that welcomes others into our midst, that greets everyone. We see this in another phrase in this text in verse number five, as he's speaking of Aquila and Priscilla or, or Prissa, as she's named here. We'll get back to them more in depth later, but there's a phrase in there I want us to note. It is in the beginning of verse five. It says, greet also the church in their house. We see this as well in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. Paul says, the churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prissa, together with the church in their house, send you a hearty greeting in the Lord. You see, in the early church, they didn't have church buildings. That didn't come till much later as the church became accepted by Rome under Constantine. Prior to this, they met out in the woods. They met anywhere they could. But often, more often than not, they met in individuals' homes. People were quick to open their homes to one another. So the question is this. Do you spend time with others? Do you open your home to them? There's another phrase here in verses 14 and 15, that points to the hospitality of the early church. He lists a group of names that I'll not try to pronounce again. But at the end of verse 14, he says, and the brothers who are with them. And again, verse 15, a group of names. And he ends it with, and all the saints who are with them. Again, this carries the idea of churches in the home. These individuals were some, some, in some way in line with one another, so much so that they were seen as being together with one another. They gathered in homes and in fields together. So the question is, what does hospitality look like in our church? Now, to our credit, I would say it's, it's pretty good. You guys do well at caring for one another and greeting one another. But how can hospitality grow in our church? Be encouraged that we do well, but let's not be content. Let's get better. How can we get better? Well, as I mentioned, go to the other side of the auditorium. Speak to people you haven't met before. 
Just introduce yourself. Ask them what they do. Perhaps ask them how long they've been coming to this church. Then be shocked when they say, well, I've been here for 10 years. Oh, great. It's okay. Don't rush out. Now, I understand. The service is over and it is lunchtime. And the preacher here tends to be long. I get that. But don't rush out. Talk to one another. Engage with one another. It does me joy when I have to like turn lights out on people so they'll go home. That's a good thing. Come early and talk to people. Sometimes I hear, well, man, it's, it's hard to get here early on Sunday. You manage to get to work and to school on time. Okay? You can make it early. It's about priorities. Come early. Get to know one another. Invite people over to your home. I understand for many of us, our homes are very private. It's our place. But the reality is it's a way to get to know one another. We've become so busy in our life with things that don't have eternal value that we tend not to have time for things that do. We ought to be a church marked by hospitality. We are to a great extent. Let us grow together in that. A second thing I note about a gospel church in this text is that the gospel church exhibits a heart of service. The gospel church exhibits a heart of service. I see this in a, gr- a few groups of people. First is through Phoebe, the very, the very first verse. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea. Now, as we'll see in a moment, it seems as though Phoebe was carrying the letter from Paul to Rome because she had some business there. So Paul included her here to introduce her to the church. But note what it says about her. She is a servant in the church. She is marked by the way she serves people. She loves to give of herself to people. She's known as a servant. She loved to give herself to serve people. Note the next group of people, Prissa or Priscilla and Aquila, verses three and four. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. We know a lot about these two individuals, this couple. Aquila was a Jewish tent maker. He was a native of the Roman province of Pontus. And he and his wife Prissa or Priscilla had been driven out of Rome by the edict of Claudius in AD 49. And apparently they settled in the city of Corinth where Paul met them. And he stayed and and he worked with them because they had the same business. And this flourished into a friendship. So much so that when he set sail for Ephesus... They went with him. In fact, he says, they risked their necks for my life. They put their lives on the line for Paul. We we see them in Acts 18, verses 1 through 3. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. 
And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And, uh, and the indication as you continue in Acts 18 is that they began not only to work with Paul in tent making, but also to work with Paul in advancing the gospel. In verse 18, we see after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. They helped Paul in his business. They opened their home to him. And when the time came, they traveled with him. That is not an insignificant statement. They picked up everything and they left with him. They served Paul. They were committing to serving the church and Paul, but not just Paul. We find out, continuing on in Acts 18 and verse 24, that there was this Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria who had come to Ephesus where they were. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. They observed this man with a gift from God. But it was an unrefined gift. And rather than deriding him for his failure, they took him under their wing and they, they helped him. They instructed him in the things of God. They loved to serve. And finally, we remember that when they were able to return to Rome, they opened their home and hosted a church in their home. That was no less inconvenient then as it would be now. They loved to serve. They were fellow workers. But then we see this phrase in verse 6 and verse 12 that is key. No, verse 6, it says, Greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Verse 12. Greet those workers, it's the same word, in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. He singles out Mary and Persis and mentions Tryphena and Tryphosa as working hard in the Lord. That word implies the strong exertion it's used of all four of them. It's not used of anybody else on the list. It's this idea that these four exerted themselves in serving others. They worked hard. The idea is sacrifice and great exertion for the work of God in others. They didn't say it was too much. They didn't complain. Oh, I've done so much. They loved to serve others. And then we see in verse 9, Urbanus. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, our fellow laborer. The emphasis here is twofold. One is on the word fellow, meaning that he worked alongside them. He served with them. And he worked. He was a laborer, meaning he, he labored with them. He didn't watch from the sidelines. He didn't just show up on Sunday and sing and be blessed and leave. He was in the trenches. Now, this church, for the most part, does very well serving others. I'm very thankful for the way I constantly see you give of yourself and serve others. But again, we can continue to do better. Because when everybody engages, God does amazing things. 
Don't see this. Let me encourage you. Don't see this service when you serve other people. Don't see that as your financial giving. Don't see that as your duty. Okay, I gave, so that's it. No, it's your service. See your service as your service. It's the way you give thanks to God for the gifts and abilities he's given you. And you care for one another and bear one another's burdens. Reality is we can continue to grow in this. We do well. And you are to be commended. Continue to do better. Don't be weary in doing well. For in due season, you will reap if you don't faint. So, we see that the gospel church exhibits a heart of hospitality. A gospel church exhibits a heart of service. The third thing I noticed of these people is that the gospel church exhibits a welcoming atmosphere. This is a little bit more of having to do with how we receive new people, how we receive people that enter into our midst. Note Phoebe again. I mentioned we'd come back to her, verses 1 and 2. Paul commends to them their sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may have need from you. For she's been a patron of many and of myself as well. Now, as I mentioned, Phoebe is undoubtedly carrying this very letter from Paul to the church at Rome. And he notes her as a servant of the church in Sancria. That was, a, that was the eastern port of Corinth, the, the neighborhood there in Corinth, at the head of what's known as the Saronic Gulf. But she is traveling to Rome for some personal reasons as well. We're not told what they are. We're just told that as she's entering this new city and this new place, she would have very few friends. And Paul encourages the church to welcome her, to take her in and to take her under their wing. He encourages them, help her in whatever she needs. As she's there taking care of whatever this personal business is, as you can help her with it, do it. Serve her well. They were to treat her like family. Why? Because she'd done that with many others. It says that she was a patron, literally a financial supporter of Paul and of many others. And so he encourages them, welcome her. Now, welcoming her, again, is more than simply saying hi. It's entering into life with them. As people enter into our midst that we've not met before, the reality is we ought to embrace them wholeheartedly. We ought to welcome them in and enter into their lives. Note verse 13, the mother of Rufus. He says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Some think this was Rufus, who was the son of Simon from Cyrene, the one who was forced to carry Jesus' cross because he's mentioned in Mark 15, 1. And since Mark wrote his gospel from Rome, it is believed that perhaps this is the same person. But I want to focus not on Rufus, but rather on his mother. Notice what Paul says. He says, and his mother, who is also a mother to me as well. He wasn't saying he was Simon's brother. He was saying his mother was like my mother. She was like family to me. 
Let me see how thankful I am for so many of you who are like family to me and my children and to one another. That is a wonderful and great thing. Continue to take note of those children. Continue to take note of one another and treat one another as if they are your family. We ought to care for one another in those ways. Enter into each other's lives. Let me encourage you with the young people. There is little more that encourages young people to a greater extent than showing up at their events. When they have concerts or plays or athletic events, being there, that means a lot to them. And then that next Sunday, mentioning it to them, hey, I saw you there. You did a great job. I appreciated that your attitude in it. When's your next one? Like a parent, another family to them. It's a blessing and an encouragement. The reality is we ought to be a welcoming church. And then we see this in one final phrase that to our ears might have seemed rather odd, perhaps even repulsive. Verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. We're not saying we should go around kissing each other. This was a cultural aspect of the day. In that day, when you greeted a friend, you would kiss them on the cheek. Today, we would see this as a hearty handshake or perhaps even a hug. It is the idea of greeting one another warmly. I am sincerely excited you are here. That you are part of my life. And this, frankly, ought to go beyond just Sunday morning when you come into church. We live in a small town. This isn't like some of us who have grown up in large cities where when you left your street, no one knew who you were. When you go to Walmart, when you go to Hillsdale Market, when you go to Kroger, wherever you go, you can almost be guaranteed you will see someone else. Rather than ducking around the corner to the next aisle, greet one another warmly. How are you doing? It's good to see you. I understand we may not have a lot of time. I'm not saying take 20 minutes in the aisle, but I am saying greet one another. When you see one another in church, greet one another warmly. We do well with this. We can do better. This raises a question with all of these, though. For some people, these things come very naturally. Some people love people. They're energized by being with people. They enter a room and instantly they are everybody's friend. There are others that prefer to kind of be in the background, right? Not even seen, not even heard, just, just here. Why would I want to step out of my comfort zone and go across the auditorium and talk to someone else? Why would I not want to duck around to the next aisle when I see them in the grocery store? Well, the answer is found in the fourth thing I note about this text. You see, the gospel church focuses on Christ. Our relationship with one another is different from every other relationship on earth because of Christ. 
Four times in these 16 verses, Paul describes his friends as being in Christ. Verses 3, 7, 9, and 10. He says, greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers, in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They were well known to the apostles. They were in Christ before me. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker, in Christ. Verse 10, greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. It's a reminder that at salvation, our identity is now tied up with Christ. We are in Christ. Five times in this text, he says that we are in the Lord. Verse 2, that you may welcome her in the Lord. Verse 8, greet Ampliatus, my beloved, in the Lord. Verse 11, greet my kinsman Herodian, greet those in in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord. Tryphiana and Tryphosa, greet the beloved Persis who worked hard in the Lord. Verse 13, greet uh, Rufus chosen in the Lord. And then twice, he just mentions Christ by name. In verse 5, he says that Epinatus was the first convert to Christ. And in verse 16, he says, all the churches of Christ greet you. So really, here's what we're getting at. 11 times in 16 verses, Paul mentions what binds us together. Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's an important concept for us to understand. You see, our focus is not on gaining friends for ourselves. Our focus is not on any kind of earthly accolades so people will see how wonderful I am and perhaps give me positions or compliment me. No, our focus is on Christ. Why should I go greet that person? Because they're in Christ. And I want to make Christ look as good as he really is. Why should I receive that greeting? Because we are in Christ. We want others to gain a close relationship with him. He is what we have in common. I know some of you don't care about sports, and I am thankful for you. Some of us do. Yesterday was a big game. Blue versus green. Michigan, Michigan State. Don't judge me. I am a Michigan fan. Go blue. Yesterday, I was wearing my Michigan gear as we went around town. We went up to Jackson. We were in a store, and you know what? Everywhere I went, I got one of two things. Either, oh, we're going we're gonna to beat you today, which I laughed. Or, oh, go blue. And a conversation, because there was a connection there. We both cheered for a team that carries a pig's gut across chalk lines. Right? We had a connection. We talked. How much more? The fact that we are brothers and sisters of God. Fellow citizens of the kingdom of God. It is a tie that binds us closer than anything else on earth. I will, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You have more in common with the fellow believer in Bolivia than you do with your unbelieving neighbor on your street. Because Christ is in you. And Christ is in them. 
But we're also reminded that it is Christ that gives us the desire and the power to do that. Again, you might say, I'm not really a people person. But Philippians chapter 2 tells us that it is Christ who works in us both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. Christ is the one who gives you the desire and the love for those people. And as you begin to talk to them, your heart is bound to them. The love for them is created. Even the ones who are incredibly different from you, whose personalities perhaps even great on you, you have a connection with them that you have with no one else. You see, we are a church of God. It's why we gather. We don't gather simply to talk about sports or about work or about our newest four-wheeler and toys. We gather together because we are a family in Christ. That's what binds a gospel church together. And it is what gives us the desire and the power and the unity to welcome one another and to show hospitality to one another and to serve one another. So don't serve for accolades so you'll look great. Don't serve so that it can be the way that you give to the church so you don't have to give money. Serve because of Christ. Love and welcome because Christ is in you. Because he is. This is the outpouring of the gospel that we have seen. As we look at our church, we must ask, are we a gospel church? Do we emulate these characteristics in our church? In some of these, we are doing well, and we praise the Lord for that. In others, we need to grow. So let me give you five thoughts as we leave today. These really aren't so what. They're, they're more just thought stimulators today. One, be encouraged by the strengths that we have. Hopefully today isn't one you walk out thinking, I just got the snot beat out of me. Perhaps you did a little bit, but also be encouraged. As we look in the mirror, we look and we say, you know what? By God's grace, some of these things we're doing okay in. Praise the Lord. I know we can do better, but we're okay. Be, be encouraged by that. But there's a few things we can do better. So number two, move around and talk to each other. I'm not necessarily saying you don't have to sit in your seat. I understand we're Baptists, okay, and that's like how it works. We sit in our seats. But it's okay to move around. And before the service, Go talk to someone new. Walk around. Number three, engage with others outside of Sunday. Engage with others outside of Sunday. We live in a day of communication where we can communicate instantly through social media, through phones, through texting. Make use of it. During the week, as you think of someone and they come to your mind, give them a call. Send them a text. Write on their wall. I was thinking of you today. Engage with one another outside of Sunday. This should not have to be programmatic. We should not have to create programs in order to get you together. It should just happen. And I find great joy when I hear this happening. When I hear of groups of people getting together for dinner. 
or gathering together to go somewhere or do something. That's a good thing. Engage with one another outside of Sunday. Number four, seek ways to serve one another. A weakness in our church is we don't always share ways that we can be served. So to overcome that, we have to seek ways we can serve each other. So do that. Seek ways you can serve people and then do it. Not for financial gain, not for accolades, not to count that as you're giving, but to say, I love you. Serve one another. I'm so thankful for the way that we constantly do that. Continue doing well. Finally, make Christ the reason for it all. We do it all because we're in Christ. This is important because if you recognize this, it's what gives that joy and satisfaction. Because many times when you do these things, it will go unnoticed. No one will say anything about it. It'll be a sacrifice. But if you recognize that Christ is the reason for it, we gain peace and joy and blessing from it. We're reminded, as Christ said in the Sermon on the Mount, we don't give so that people will see. They have their reward. But we serve, and when others don't see, our Father who is in heaven sees and will reward it. So make Christ the reason for it all. I am so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that as I worked through this text this week, I didn't sit here and think, oh, this is going to be a tough one because we are terrible at this stuff. I prepared this week with joy to be able to say, we're doing good. Do better. Thank you for the way that you emulate Christ in serving and caring for one another. Don't stop. Press forward. Do better and watch Christ bless this ministry and this church. Let's pray. Father, we praise you as the God of all comfort that you have accepted us into your family. You have opened your arms and welcomed us and have given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You have promised to supply our needs to walk with us through deep waters. You have exhibited for us what we ought to do with others. So Lord, I ask that we would be a church that is known for the way we care for one another and for all that we come in contact with. That we would be marked not by arrogance or conceit or self-serving, but rather a church that is marked by compassionate, sacrificial, genuine love for people that through it, the love of Christ might be displayed in radiant glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.